everybody, and welcome to, to the Macaw Podcast Universe. It's the podcast, the only podcast you could find about movies. There are no other movie podcasts. We're Is the that first correct? to do it, and probably the last. Yes, because we've done it so well and so extensively that anyone else shudders at the very thought, the very notion of covering. Well, in no per- one has the audacity. No one. Not a, you cannot. We've never find even referenced another movie podcast ever on this show because there are none. There are none. It can't be done. And also, there are no other critics. It's just Jordan and I. Sorry. Uh, uh, no one. No yeah, one. There's yeah, no yeah, others. Yeah. There's no others. So we have this podcast. We're married. Your name's Jordan. Your My name's, name's Micah. Micah. And we cover film franchises. And we exist to prove people wrong when they say... Sequels are never better than the originals. And in addition to that, we, we, we dig into the sequel. We want to know what makes it tick, what makes it better, what makes it worse. What do we think of it personally? What are our personal grudges on these films? Just kidding. We usually don't have personal grudges. And today, we're kicking back in to Batman. Yes, we Starting are. Starting with... Batman Begins, the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Yes, and this has been an often requested series for us to cover. This was one of the ones when when we started the podcast, it's like, when will we do the Dark Knight trilogy? Yes. This is a pretty big deal. I know we said the Unbreakable one was a big deal, and it is. It is. But oh, yeah. This, Go back and this, listen to Unbreakable. I will say this is the series that got me into movies. And I think a, okay. that's true for a lot of people of our generation. Well, Nolan has done that with our generation yes. for a lot of people. Say what you will about him currently. Um, he still made a pretty fantastic movie last year. But, um, you know, he has gotten... I, I think I think what some people kind of roll their eyes with about Nolan is you do have a lot of people who think that he is, like, you know, the greatest thing ever. I love him. He made my favorite movie, Interstellar. Like, I have nothing but good things to say, but... But, you know, it's, it can always be annoying when someone's, like, so obsessed with something but doesn't even know about Michael Mann, his biggest influence. Yeah. And doesn't watch Michael Mann movies, for example. Whereas, you know, you you watch this movie and it's like, yeah, but though, though he couldn't exist without these other uh-huh. great people. So uh-huh. let's acknowledge them as well. So if you have a balanced view, I think Nolan rules and I love him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, he's not. He's not perfect. He's not perfect, and and he is influenced by people. He's not just like this so original guy that just made everything up. Exactly. You know? I mean, he's he made three great Batman movies. What are they based on? They're based on Batman. You know what I mean? Yeah. But his eye and his ideas, um, in addition to particularly David Goyer, who contributed to, but basically wrote the script, at least for this movie, and I believe the next movie, you know, it's a team. It's a yeah. team. Yeah. I don't know why I went into that rabbit hole there. But um, so we went through and we started with Tim Burton's Batman. We went through, then we went to the Schumacher Batmans, mm-hmm. and then we took a little break, and now we're back. And I and, and it was it was a perfect break because Batman and Robin came out, and it was critically panned. Audiences didn't like it. If you listen back to our episode, delight. It's actually pretty freaking good. Uh-huh. Um, it's different though. It's not a Nolan Batman, so you can't take that expectation into it. And so then I believe that came out in 95 and then it's like Batman goes dark 
and Warner Brothers is... He's hanging out in his back cave for a while. Yes, and and they're waiting for, because Warner Brothers knows that this is a property. Uh-huh. So much like the real-life Warner Brothers at the time, we went dark, and we covered a different series. Mm-hmm. And now we're back. Mm-hmm. And it's the Dark Knight. Baby! Do you have anything to contribute? Of That sounded so intense. I didn't mean that like, you haven't contributed. You've been contributing greatly. This just is a huge, huge trilogy. When did this movie come out? I have it right this here. This came out in 2005. So this came out before Iron Man? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. But So I guess, so this came out before Marvel got its big start. And mm-hmm. we were wondering last night, like, how come this movie works? And we can't, no longer can watch it without the lens of Marvel. Because yeah. Marvel is forever now. And it's like this movie is just such an origin story. And it is not just an origin story. Christopher Nolan is answering all of the how questions. I mean, it's like if he had made cars, he's going to tell you what is inside the cars. Yes. Like that's what, that's the level we're getting at. I got to time you out though. I want to tee this up, what you're saying a little bit more. I know that's probably kind of annoying to cut you off there. But I think if you'll listen to our podcast, you know how much Jordan and I say things like, it's a superhero movie. It doesn't have to be realistic. Yeah. Or you'll hear us say, like, don't bore us. Get to the chorus. We want some action if it's a superhero movie. That doesn't go with every movie. See our Unbreakable series again. Um, and this movie but takes, like, over an hour before he becomes Batman. Why does movie work? So why? now, back to what you were saying. That was the question we were asking last night. was, why does this movie work for all those things that you just said? Because if this came out today... Now, it might have been, it might be a snooze fest. It might be I might react a little bit like let's get this going. Uh-huh. Can we can we uh-huh. please get this going? Now say what you're going to say. So, previous to this movie, you have those four Batman movies that we have already covered and as you know, cuz you definitely watched it while we were covering it, those movies are nuts. They are so zany. They are so crazy. Also the walls. You could even argue, where is Batman in a lot of <laughs> yeah, them? Yeah, yeah. They, they just don't. And that's honestly, that's fine for the most part because most of them are really good. And it's like they just focus, all of them focus more on the villains. That is more interesting a lot of the time. He has a very cool cast of villains. Absolutely. So it does make sense that once you get to this movie, it's like this is a movie about Batman. Finally. Yeah. So he is going to tell you how Batman became Batman. And he's going to show you not only that, like the motivation to be Batman. He's going to tell you why he has ears. The bat ears. <laughs> he didn't have to do that, but he did. And it was so cool. Yeah. So it's like we've we've not actually had this like nitty gritty origin story for Batman. Or I guess a super for a superhero yet. Not only that. Mm-hmm. We have not had such a grounded comic book character put mm-hmm. to film until now in popular culture in yeah, modern time. You can cite, you know, we have we've had Blade, which is out there, fantasy, a lot of craziness. Blade can slay. <laughs> we have X-Men, which is about mutants, and they do ground it, but it is it's out there still. We have Spider-Man, which at as realistic as Spider-Man is and and relatable, it is a guy who got bit by a radioactive spider who mm-hmm. shoots webs out of him. Mm-hmm. And and Batman one is, of my favorites. Yeah. I, I mean he's my favorite hero, but some of my favorite movies. We know. Period. But but, but 
uh, I was joking. Oh, I know. But with Batman, he is a man who doesn't have superpowers. Yes. And and it's just like Tony Tony Stark. Tony Stark is not yeah. gifted with something. He's a scientist, and he they're both very rich. That member in high school who would win Iron Man or Batman. That was always <laughs> a topic of that, debate. Yeah. But with so with Batman, you just have some rich guy who's just all he wants to do is clean up the streets. Mm-hmm. How is he going to do it? Yeah. He has, of course, he's stronger than an average person, but that's about it. He knows martial arts. Yeah. And he it's putting it upon himself. You can get to a lot of interesting things with that alone. Yeah. And they do in this series. This series is also the, so you, when you have a series so influential and so wonderful like uh-huh. this, you are inevitably going, a lot of movies after it are going to just try and carbon copy See, and that's this? something I want to key into when you're, yes. Yeah. And it's, we've just had a lot of movies since then that are gritty and dark, and that's where it ends. And, and we've had a lot of movies after this that go, okay, people saw Batman Begins, they liked the details, now let's give them all the details, and maybe that's a movie like, say, um, Ant-Man maybe is an example of that. It's not like this, but uh-huh. it is like... I think that movie gets too caught up in the details and it yeah. gets kind of boring. Yeah. Um, because for one, it's not Nolan. And, and it's for, still for not two, grounded. Yeah. And I, and I think that's the benefit of this story is it really does feel like, you know what? This could happen. Mm-hmm. On a theoretical level, if we push this to the boundaries, a version of this could happen in real life. Mm. And you might be rolling your eyes right now, but mm. that's how I felt Let us rewatching dream. this movie. Well, I don't know if this should be a dream. Let <laughs> us just consider. And, oh, and here is a little promise I'm making to the listeners right here and right now. You've heard, and you don't have to stick to this, but you've heard me and Jordan talk about 2019's Joker a lot and our thoughts on it right here, right now. While we talk about the Dark Knight trilogy, I promise from this moment on, I am not going to talk about that movie okay, at all, because I want to talk about these movies and maybe more how, maybe I might talk some about like Jared Leto and stuff because that's like a series. So uh-huh. I'm not, I'm just not even going to worry Jared about Jared Leto? The, the like Justice League and all that stuff. I may bring that up. Maybe oh, not. Oh, because he, oh. Because <laughs> he's Joker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah. I'm not going to bring it up. You certainly can. I'll just say one thing. I don't care about it for this. I don't really care to talk about it either. I will just say that that movie is a direct, like there's that movie will, would have never come out if this trilogy was not popular. No. It was not a huge success. No. And that is the classic. It is dark and gritty and it ends there. It is. Uh-huh. Sorry, not a great movie. And, and it was, it was a big bummer. Yeah. And I'm not going to participate in that, talking about that, even with you right now, but you can talk about it oh, when I, you want. That's all I really want to say about <laughs> it. But, um, so, we're talking Batman Begins. Now, another thing, I, we, we haven't even talked about production details. The, folks, strap in. This is going to be a long one, and so are the next two. Um, when we covered Manhunter, which is directed by Michael Mann, again, Nolan cites him as one of the biggest influences ever. Whenever he makes Which a movie, makes a lot of sense since I've seen some Michael Mann movies. Makes so much since sense. That. Yeah. And one of the things about Michael Mann, and granted, I'm not like uh, a Michael. I don't. I haven't seen all of his work, but I've seen like five or six of his yeah. movies, I think, and I've seen enough to kind of know some of the things he does. Yeah. And whatnot. 
and he is a guy that is is obsessed with details. Oh, so okay. He made this movie, which I keep forgetting to watch because it's on HBO. I I believe it's called um, just Thief, starring oh. James Con. Um, I know it stars James Con. He made it. I think the year sounds like a good movie. Yeah, he made it before Manhunter. Is he a thief? And he's a jewel thief. Okay. And so when Michael Mann made this movie, he hung out with a jewel thief, really figured out like how that happens. And if you remember in our Manhunter episode, we talked about how he talked to a real serial killer. Uh-huh. When he was Wait, making... Do who? I don't remember. I don't remember that. But okay. it's in our episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, when he was making Heat, he was talking to ex-bank robbers. He was talking to bank robbers and being like, how would you do this? Al Pacino. Dog Day Afternoon. <laughs> That's true. I'm blowing <laughs> past it. So he is obsessed with the details. And when you see that DNA and know how influenced mm. Nolan is by him, you look at this movie. And I think this movie now makes even more sense than when it came out, knowing that reference and seeing where Nolan has gone now and seeing like the bones of his own creative DNA in this movie and the things that work amazing and a couple of things that don't work so well and how he's changed some of that stuff or hasn't this or that yeah there is a youtube essayist yes you i don't remember who it was but it's patrick patrick h williams it was patrick Um, patrick williams but he's not a film critic uh because remember we said there was no film critics at the beginning of this episode except you and i patrick williams gets an exception okay fine uh he came out with the christopher nolan basically analysis video of him and it was shocking <laughs> it was in a word shocking um and it's been a little hard no that's not true i've just been noticing a lot of the things that he said ever mm-hmm. since seeing that video one of them with this movie in particular there's like a, a new shot every three seconds i know it is like it's I know. it's all over the place it's still a wonderful movie but it is yeah, a little amazing. bit like don't, don't why why did you cut there like maybe we could have gotten something a little bit more from that person or it just it just feels and so frantic there are shots in the fight scenes and i've never noticed yeah. this before but yeah. there are whole shots that are like a fraction of a second that i my brain actually doesn't know what's happening oh, yeah. at all that's what i was thinking about too when we were watching it is mm-hmm. now also going through like it man and, yeah. and going watching movies like john wick where like yeah just more action heavy movies in that way. Yeah. And then watching this, it's like the action is lacking greatly in this movie. Yeah. I think that's not really what the movie's about. So he, yes. And so, so here's what I, I, I didn't know we were going to get into it right here, but I, so I just want to reiterate that I love this movie. Uh-huh, me too. It's like an easy nine out of uh-huh, 10. Uh-huh. I think the things I'm about to say, if they were fixed, it would be perfect. Uh, huh. But the action in this movie, after watching it last night, is bad, I would say. Yeah. I would go so far as to say it's bad. Um, It doesn't bother me because I'm so engrossed in the story. And I love the story so much. But it is so um, tight and, um, um, like we said, it it cuts quickly. And there are, it's kind of like one of those things where you wrap up, you don't notice it. But when someone points it out, you look at it and you go, oh, yeah, this is not filmed super well. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and I don't think that's the cinematographer, Wally Pfister. Uh-huh. Um, I think that that is Nolan, you know, doing that. But if you watch Patrick Willem's video, he talks about how in The Dark Knight, the Dark Knight is where Nolan first starts shooting in IMAX. Yep. 
um, for certain scenes, and he said, which I'm sure we're going to notice this time, when you watch Dark Knight, it, if you're watching his movies in order, it's like kind of drastic how much better the movie looks. Yeah. And then he goes on, Inception, even more IMAX. Dark Knight Rises, even more. And then now he just shoots his movies in IMAX, except for certain select scenes. Oh, so those other movies, it wasn't all IMAX? Um, which ones? The ones that you just listed? Yeah, yeah. The f- okay. Dark Knight, Inception, and I think Dark Knight Rises had like sequences that were uh, IMAX. Yeah, okay. But then I believe from Dunkirk on, I mean, uh, Interstellar, his movies yeah. are like 75 to 100 or like 95% IMAX. Interstellar was wild. And in what's IMAX. insane is if you think, like, thinking about Tenet. I think the action in that movie is really cool and it's really interesting and the shots are wider and like that hallway scene where the protagonist is fighting it's like I see everything that's happening I totally. know and, and you know what was a happening. big ad for him too that just made him so much better as a filmmaker putting Robert Pattinson in his movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah I hope Robert Pattinson becomes his uh Michael Caine okay sure we keep michael kane of course but we just add we another add guy. uh yeah he, that is just a, it's so fascinating to have to have a filmmaker i know i'm sure all of them have this similar thing but mm-hmm. to have someone that's like that's when it's changed that's like almost like when he found his niche yeah and, and i think nolan even says that yeah i don't think this is well, like I think he shows interview clips in his video yeah yes talking he does about, talking he does. about imax yeah, so if you're like, Micah, I can't believe you're saying something bad about Nolan and you're mad at me, this is stuff Nolan would say as well. Well, so, as, a, as an artist and as a person, you should always be trying to be better. Yeah. So he's not a perfect filmmaker. No, no one he's is. He's made some near-perfect movies, though. Yeah. And what was I going to say? Uh, well, I don't know what you were going to say, but it's very interesting. It is. Let's talk about this movie a little bit and who made it. Um. Of course, it's directed by Christopher Nolan. Uh Uh-huh. Now, what year was Prestige? Was that after this movie? I'll double check. Okay. 2006, so the year after he came out with Prestige. This is 2005. Batman Begins is 2005. Yeah. So the Prestige is 2006. Okay. Um, So was um, the movie before this would have been Insomnia? I will double check. Oh, I thought you were just at his. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, I wrote in the notes after Insomnia. Okay. So... And Insomnia, gotta say, my least favorite Christopher Nolan movie, part of it, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and I, I'm like, I've never looked it up partly because I don't really care. Mm-hmm. But when we last watched it, which wasn't that long ago, uh, I was just like, am I supposed to be confused because it, it takes place in Alaska when there's no sundown? Yeah. Because cause, cause the whole time Al Pacino was like, has sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, am I supposed to feel like that? Because I have no idea what's going on. And part of that was whole sentences felt like they were cut off in that movie, if you remember. Did I agree with you on that? I don't remember that, if you did or not. But it's just like there were times when someone would say something, you know, like doesn't sound like they're done with their thought. And it cuts to another scene. Hmm. Or it cuts to the other person. Yeah, I don't remember that I, even it, a little weird. bit. It's weird. It's not, I, it's an interesting movie. I mean. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. It's definitely a good movie. I think it's my least favorite of his. Yeah. And partly because it's so disorienting. And I just don't know if that's intentional or not. Yeah. But that goes into all of his quick cut. I would stuff. imagine it probably is intentional because he makes that movie after Memento. So, yeah. Talk, I mean, the intentionality is there. But um, I don't know. Maybe maybe he didn't. So, 
he's done Memento, huge indie hit. They're like, okay, do another one. He doesn't insomnia. It looks like he's going to be a crime guy, a crime thriller, a David Fincher type. Mm-hmm. And then he does this movie. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is this kind of sets Out him... Of a crime movie. On, well, that, that's what I'm going to say. Okay. It sets him on the path of epic movie filmmaker because after this, he becomes epic and never yep. turns back. Absolutely. But it's also detective. Yeah. He's I would love about him the to make a detective greatest. movie. I, it would one. be cool. But, I mean, I think after watching Tenet, I'm like, I don't think he's ever going to scale back. Well, I'm fine with him being the sci-fi guy. Let him yeah. and Denny being the Denny Villeneuve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm totally fine with that. It would just be fun. Make a sci-fi oh, yeah. detective movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just think he'll he'll never he'll never scale back unless he has a even though Tenet, if you look at the numbers and go through it all, it technically it really was a bomb, even for pandemic times. But that'll always have the asterisk next to it. But if his next movie like really bombs, then maybe he has to like prove there you himself. Go. Yeah, you know? I am so interested in what his next movie is gonna be. Oh yeah. I'm always there. I'm yeah. always there. I love it. Um, well, especially just Tenet felt like a movie that he had had bottled up for so long. Yeah. And written for so long. It's like, okay, you made it. Okay, what's the next movie going to be? Yeah. Um, so, screenplay is David S. Goyer and Christopher Nolan. Uh, what else has he done, David S. Goyer? He's done... Um, I can look it up. He's done a lot of like superhero stuff. Because okay. once he does this, he becomes a, the guy. That, that people always send their scripts to and have do touch-ups and stuff oh, okay. like that. I believe he wrote Man of Steel. Yeah, well... And I think he wrote... Dark City? <gasps> the movie, Dark movie City. that you need to watch. Yes, I do. But he has done Batman v Superman probably because of Man of Steel. Yeah, which is... When he's done... We're going to talk about fairly anyway, soon. Anyway. Um, We have on cinematography, Wally Pfister. And this is interesting. We have... A collaboration between James Newton Howard and Hans Zimmer on the score. So this is when the Hans Zimmer connection with Nolan begins. And uh, is this score good? You can bet your ass it's good. This is a great <laughs> score. Um, the budget for the movie is $150 million. Domestically, it makes 205 And worldwide, it makes 359 That's a bona fide hit, but it's not totally out of the ballpark. Yeah. But it's still a hit. I don't think that's quite um, Batman 89 numbers, but that's up there. Mm -hmm. Comes out June 15th, 2005. And they hired David Goyer because though Nolan was a fan of Batman, he was no comic expert. Okay. So he's, he's wanting to do this project and he's like, I need help. I need help. And um, as we know, uh, Christian Bale had just filmed The Machinist, so he was like so ninety he had to pounds. Gain some weight. And Nolan said, "We need you to, we need you to look like a bear. You're Batman. You need to be huge." So he shows up on set. What was, okay, yeah, okay. And he gained like 150 pounds, and he's too big. <laughs> that sucks. And they he's go, like, I'll just do my machinist diet for a couple days. And they were like, You're you are too big. Like you're not gonna fit in the costume. Is he like is he like Southpaw big? I think he was bigger. I mean he's wow. huge. Wow. And then and then he has to trim it down like he has to lose like thirty pounds no or something like that. Way. I mean, the guy 
just drops and loses pounds like there's no tomorrow. It's interesting part of yeah. Hollywood. Um, Nolan wanted Bale, and it was his first pick because he wanted someone that could be a great Bruce and ba- a great Bruce and Batman, since much of this movie doesn't have Batman. Thank you, Christopher Nolan, for thinking about Bruce for a change. Yeah. And Batman. Oh, yeah. So, um, and I, I actually should have done this part first. So, if we remember, back in the 90s, they, Warner Brothers went up to Schumacher and they go, you, you, we want you to make Batman Unchained. Then the movie bombs, and they're both like, we don't want to make this. Then Warner Brothers considers making a Batman Beyond movie and a Batman Year One movie. Okay. Um, And Lee Shapiro and Stephen Wise, comic book fans, pitched a bat. So so right now, Warner Brothers like, we want Batman, but we don't know what. They're kind of just like, we're going to try this, we're going to try that, we're going to try this. And so Lee Shapiro and Stephen Wise, they pitch Batman, Dark Knight, where Scarecrow and Man Bat are the villains, and there's a retired Wayne, and people then believe that the Man Bat is Batman. Whoa, that's cool. Like, return. Uh So then Wayne puts on the mantle so that he can prove that, no, I'm Uh Batman, and defeat Man Bat and Scarecrow. That's interesting. That's pretty cool, actually. And then they get what what you wouldn't like. Okay. Darren Aronofsky. Oh. Darren Aronofsky signs on to direct Batman Year One, the adaption of Frank Miller's <sighs> wonderful okay. comic book. You can only imagine what that would be like. And if you haven't read this comic book, it's only four issues. And any Batman fan, there's no doubt in my mind you wouldn't love it. Uh, and Warner Brothers says, okay, abandoning Batman Beyond, we're doing Year One. And Aronofsky pursues Joaquin Phoenix for Batman. (laughs) (laughs) What? While Warner Brothers was hoping that he would cast Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince Jr.? Are you serious? (laughs) That would have been a terrible choice. So one of them... Although, I'd be there for it. I'd have to know what that was like. Freddie Prince Jr. is too pretty. Yeah, He's and, he's Fred, and you. But you need a pretty Bruce Wayne, but you and you do need a weird Bruce Wayne. That's why I'm I, the the more I think about it, the more I'm like Keaton really does work. I do I, like. I him. agree with that. The the more we're into this, but I'll get to Christian Bale when I get to Christian Bale. Yeah, but Joaquin, as much as Batman does need to be unhinged and strange during that time in his career, though, makes more sense. That's true, because this would have been around like signs and stuff. Yeah, that that would have made more sense because it's hard to not think of him as now. Yeah, and he uh, the was master in the movie and, that shall not be named. Yeah, which we we, we can name it. We can name We're it, not but I'm not it. talking about it. Um, but yeah, I just think Joaquin would have been too weird, and I think he would have played it. Too I don't know weird. if he would have played it weird. I think he would have. Okay, he but I'm just thinking. I'm just trying to think of the time. Yeah, I don't know. We can always wonder, and so. The Aronofsky Miller script had a brooding Batman and realistic violence and would have been well, rated brooding. R. Yeah, of course it would. He's just trying to, he, Aronofsky's just like, how can I make people barf <laughs> or cry and run out of the theater screaming? That's what he's trying to figure out how yeah. to do it. Um, but then 
Warner Brothers decides, you know what, we're going to move on and we're going to do Batman vs. Superman where Lex Luthor tries to get Batman and Superman to fight each other. They're really uh, simplifying that other story. Yeah. And uh, that movie is set to release in 2004, but then in 2003 they hire Nolan and then and the ball gets rolling on this. Change. Um, Rachel Dawes, uh-huh. much like Max Trek, made up for the movie, not a really? comic book character. Cool. That's really cool. I was surprised by that. Yeah. And it makes her death in the next movie make is kind of even more interesting because no one would have known that that was like oh, an yeah. event in the comics or anything like that. Yeah. Um, this movie has no second unit. So that means wow. Nolan is there directing every shot. Wow. Um, they sought real locations for Gotham. So they were Chicago, Chicago, New York, London. And, um, if anyone has ever been to Chicago, there is 100% a moment in time when you're standing in the city and you think, oh my gosh, Batman was here. Yeah. I felt that several times when I was in Chicago. But if you're by the... Hannah, if you're listening, can attest to that. We were driving under this underpass. We're like, oh my gosh, this part, this road is in Batman. <laughs> but for me, I was on the train uh-huh. when I went to Chicago. Bringing it back to Spider-Man. And I was thinking about Spider-Man 2, and I was just hoping I would be saved. Um, so, two more things, and that's it. The Batcave is a real huge set that's the size that it looks in the movie with a functioning waterfall and everything crazy uh the tumbler is real they really designed that they really drove that's it around tank. that's the tank and the driving speeds are legit whoa really there's a lot of times i mean i don't know about now but at least then you know you speed up film you use a bunch of different tricks uh-huh. and you're doing things at like 30 40 miles an hour like and that's top speed they're driving around 80 miles an hour in this movie That's doing crazy. stunts. And it was fun watching the guy who was driving the Batmobile because he's like a young like race car stunt driver. Oh, okay. And he's just like, this is the coolest job I've ever had. That, this is insane. Yeah, and he's cool. skidding it around and just yeah. going crazy. So that is how it begins. What is cool about Christopher Nolan uh, is he is a huge proponent of things shot on film. Yes. As well as a big practical guy. Of course, like, so like even an interstellar, he's got a, he's using miniatures a lot yeah. in that movie. And he's Very projecting cool. um, a lot of the space so the actors can actually yes. like have a, have a look of wonder uh-huh. on their face. It's just, it's great. Yeah. Okay. So to get into actors, I'm looking at the cast list and Christian Bale and Liam Neeson are dueling for the best IMDb picture. I'm just going to say really? that right now. Yeah. Is, I is think Bale Liam Neeson beard wins. or not? He's got some facial hair. It's This has been his IMDb picture forever. Okay. And it's just, I think it's him. It's him at his prime. Let me Liam, hit you with something on Bale. Okay. Do you know that we will be talking about him next year when we cover Thor, Love and Thunder? Uh, he's in that movie? He is the villain of the movie. Okay. So we're going to cover him again. I can't imagine what like most Marvel announcements? Yeah, it's like I can't imagine how that's gonna be good. Well, his name is something something the butcher. Oh, okay, so, I'm into it. Yeah, and it's Taika, so um, it'll be good. Yeah. Okay, so let's do this this way. So we have Killian Murphy who plays Doctor Jonathan Crane as well as and Scarecrow. Uh, he is Hollywood's pretty boy, uh, really well known for Twenty Eight Days. 
Inception. 28 days later. Oh, yeah. Sorry. 28 days later. Dot, dot, dot. Inception. Sunshine. Red Eye. Peaky Blinders. Oh, Sunshine's so good. It is. He's also in Dun... He, he's a Nolan guy. He, he's in a lot of stuff. And then... We're not covering Gary Oldman because we have. We have, yeah. But his best performance. Yes, is in these three movies, yes. for sure. Katie Holmes plays Rachel Dawes. Um, she is also in Jack and Jill, Dawson's Creek, Disturbing Behavior, um, Coda, No Apologies, Ocean's 8. Can I say my thing about her? Sure. After watching these movies, once I, quote, you know, like, became a film guy, you know, when you're like annoying in your film liking i convinced myself that maggie gyllenhaal was amazing and katie holmes like kind of sucked yeah and that's okay. like oh well you know that's a, yeah. kind of a stain on the series but who cares but we watched it last night and katie holmes is so good in this. she's really good part of it she's so good a big part of it is she's written really well she's written really well i mean, I mean she's a great actress that obviously yeah. that's a big part of it but she's written so well in this movie yeah and all in both movies she she truly like I feel like she actually um she feels like she she really does want to take down the mob and she really isn't scared of them. Yeah. And she does feel like when she's telling off Bruce, yeah. She doesn't care about the money. She doesn't care about who he is or whatever. Yes. She cares about him, the kid she grew up with. Yep. And she really does a wonderful job. I think she's fantastic in she's, this movie. She's so wonderful. Um okay. Um, Ken Watanabe plays Raza Ghoul. Well, that's his name on the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, he is also kind of a Nolan guy a little bit. Well, he's in Inception. Uh, Who is he in Inception? Kaido. He funds the whole operation. Wait, that's the same guy? Are you serious? <laughs> yes, look at his picture. That's the same act. You did. You, are you serious? They, I mean, he looks a the, lot different. No, the makeup in, in Batman Begins makes him look a lot different. I actually thought to myself watching it last night, yeah. I thought that'd be, I couldn't remember his name at the time, but I thought that'd be cool if that was the Inception guy. Oh my gosh. That's funny. <laughs> I think they just made him so, you know, with the bald head and, and the, the, the Fu Manchu and yeah. stuff like that. Like he looks so different. That's, that's, that's awesome. I love Ken. So he's also in The Last Samurai. Is he still coming to our dinner party? I hate to cancel ah. COVID. Um, he's also in Godzilla. I mean, he's in the Godzilla franchise. He's really good in Godzilla. <laughs> he is. I, yeah, he's great. And then, um, he's in Isle of Dogs, Transformers, the original, Transformers, The Last Night. Um, and then he is in, um... Texas, let us know if you want us to cover Transformers. <laughs> he is in a lot of, um, as well as Japanese films, too. Oh, cool. Very cool. Um... He's, he's a treasure. Whenever he, he pops up, it's like, okay, I know I'm going to at least like one character in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And then we've covered Michael Caine or no? Uh, no. Okay. Michael Caine is <laughs> um, the Christopher Nolan guy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's in a lot of his movies, including Prestige, including Inception, Interstellar, blah, blah, blah. He's also in the Cider House Rules. Where he won an Oscar and he beat out like everyone else, which... And Cider Every, House Rules? Everyone... What are you talking about? Yeah, Cider House Rules. Everyone views that Oscar thing as, like, insane that none of the other four people won. And even he in his speech is like, I am probably the fifth person on here 
No, I don't even know what this movie's about. I, I, know I don't that, either. That I think they remade this movie a couple years ago. And I, and even I seeing that trailer, if I'm thinking of the correct thing, I don't even know what that movie was about. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a slice of life movie, right? S- somehow he beat Haley Joel Osment in sign, uh, the six sense. And that's kind of, and there, there's another performance too. That's like how, Oh, I think it's someone from green mile. I think it's, um, well, John, like the character, John, uh, I don't remember that actor's name. Yeah. Look it up. I'll look it up. I'll oh, look I it up. clicked out of it. So yeah, Michael Caine. And then we have Morgan Freeman, who we have not covered before. I don't believe no. uh, he is in seven Invictus driving Miss Daisy, a uh, million dollar baby, Bruce almighty, Morgan Freeman, everybody. He's in a lot. He's really great. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is the most insane thing. So, you have Michael Caine for the Cider House Rules, and he wins. You have Haley Joel Osment for The Sixth Sense, Tom Cruise in Magnolia. Oh, what? Maybe his best performance. Yeah. Well, no, his best performance is Fallout. We all know it. Uh, Jude Law, the talented Mr. Ripley, and Michael Clark Duncan for The Green Mile. And and pretty much you can talk to anyone. And That's crazy. Anyone says like... That's a crazy year of movies. Any four of those. Uh-huh. What's that 1999 year? Remember, yes. we talked about that in Unbreakable yes. episode. Christian Bale, who is one of the best IMDb profile pictures out there. <laughs> um, Here I we just, go again with the IMDb profile picture. Well, let me just, I need to go off a little bit about Christian Bale. Okay, Micah, will you give that to me? So uh, he is my Batman. Like I said, this, this is the series that got Hashtag me. Hashtag my Batman. Hashtag my Batman. This is the series that got me in to movies in general. But it also was like, this is a, I guess Marvel wasn't out yet, but it's like, this is, comic books are cool. I've never read comic books. Mm-hmm. Christian Bale is so cool. He is the best representation of Bruce Wayne and Batman. And I know that that's probably biased because he was my first Batman. But even watching the old stuff, definitely the new stuff. He's, he's Batman. Hey, you have not seen Batman v Superman and Justice League so you don't know. I don't need to. You might be all about Batfleck. I, I highly doubt it. You might like someone who Christian only Bale, delivers exposition. You <laughs> might like that. Bruce Wayne, it's just like unbelievable that they figured it out. They got the perfect guy. He's He is, I, I mean, I think it's, uh, I think the only other th- person that people argue who aren't like Snyder heads, uh, like just yeah. the 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 only other person people argue is Michael Keaton, and I think and that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that that's fine. I think that's a yeah. good pick. Um, well, and people will say Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman in oh, Batman sure, animated sure. series, okay. and the video games, which I'm cool with that pick. He's yeah. amazing. Great. Um, but I think um, I think it's pretty undeniable. I know that it. I know that we do have our opinions, but it feels to me like it's a very objective opinion. Because yeah, it, it it's also, too. this is the first story that actually gives Bruce Wayne really anything yeah. to do. Yep. He has a, he does have a, a decent amount to do in Batman, the first one. Well, it's like, the, so but the, it's not to this level. What they do so well in this movie, it's like, okay, the whole catalyst for Batman becoming Batman is his parents getting murdered by a junkie. Yeah. But this explores why and what he has been struggling with his whole life about it, you know? But anyway... Just to get into Christian Bale, I know he's had his issues in life. Oh, yeah. We've talked about him. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I will, I just gotta say though. So I know, I think when we talked about Lord of the Rings, I probably said that I think, uh, Sam was my first cru- movie crush, but I didn't know that when yeah. I was a kid. Christian Bell is my first celebrity crush. He's your Jennifer Garner. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, and Sam is your princess Leia. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's good. Um, but yeah, he, I I cut out a picture of him in a magazine and kept it in my purse for a while. <laughs> what what really? You're so not that type of person. I know, That's so I know. funny. I think I eventually taped it on my wall, with amongst my <laughs> amongst my Lord of the Rings stuff. But, okay, good. Uh, but uh, he, what what really solidified it was Newsies, and Olivia listening to this is like, I totally get it, because <laughs> he was uh very cute in that movie, but um. When basically when I saw this series, it's like okay, I will watch anything with Christian Bale. Yeah, and since then I've seen a lot of Christian Bale movies. He yeah, for me he does have that appeal where it's like if he's in something I'll probably watch it. I haven't seen Four for Ferrari. Funny enough, same. Um, it's just it's I know it's good because <laughs> we've heard it's really good. Jeremy said I, it it honked like it moved. It oh, was good because it think looked kind of boring. We had it sitting in our home for a while from the library. Yeah, we never watched it. And I think what's holding us back is one, it's about cars. Yeah, and then two, it's like two and a half hours. It's like yeah. more than two and a half hours. Yeah, but we just need to do it. Yeah. Anyway, that's Christian Bale. I know he's had issues. Yes. Since this franchise, since yeah. this movie, yeah. But I just had to say my what Christian Bale meant to me when this movie came out. Yeah. Could you just do me a favor though? And um, oh, I guess I didn't say one of the movies he's in, but I mean, come on, um, tell me who Thomas Wayne is and and what I just am hoping because this guy is so good as Thomas Wayne and he's so good in this movie. I hope he's like really famous in something that I just don't know about. He's in Mandy. Another incentive to watch that movie. Okay. Um, he's also in Chronicles of Riddick, Nonstop, Homeland, the show. <clears throat> now, Homeland, the show, does he, ha- do you know if it has like recurring? It says 2017 to 2020. And that movie, that show started in 2011. Cool. Okay. So he's made a career. He, he okay. Oh, what, what's got, his name? Oh, Linus Roach. Linus Roach. He's good. He's really good in this movie. So the movie begins. With the bat symbol created by bats amongst an orange-yellow-brown sky. You're already like, this is pretty cool. Immediately, cuts to Bruce Wayne running around with Rachel Dawes. Hide. A young Bruce Wayne. Yes. No, they're adults. Hide, hide. No. And he falls into a well. Bats come flying around. Dad comes down and saves him. Yeah. And he says, why do we fall down, Bruce? So we we can can learn learn to pick pick ourselves ourselves back up. up. Um, so, so already, if you were two minutes late to the movie, you've missed so much stuff. <laughs> the movie just kind of goes. It clips along. And then we see now signature Nolan. Signature Nolan. Because the guy has a maybe unhealthy obsession with time. <laughs> yeah. And not a single one of his movies is told in a linear format. Not one. Okay. Or, or if it is, I think the only one is maybe Insomnia, but it deals with the guy who, like, Dunkirk? It, it's told unchronologically it and is? in a weird order. Why? Remember, they do the thing where it's, like, six hours to the beach, and then the next scene, it's, like, 
10 hours to the beach. Oh, I, I don't remember. It's been a really long time since I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, they all have to do with time somehow. Uh-huh. And I guess Interstellar is, no, it jumps around in time. It's about time because it's about yeah. time dilation and wormholes. Well, I know, but I said none of his movies are chronological. Oh, but that I, is technically chronological. Yeah, but it does jump in time because he's communicating to his daughter in the bookshelf. Okay, that's a little nitpicky, my guess. Yeah, but they're all about time to some extent. And this movie's no exception. It's bouncing between a young Bruce Wayne, a full like the Bruce Wayne getting training, and then a Bruce Wayne who visited Gotham before he went and got training. Yeah. And it's cool. Yeah. They do a really great job of making, yes, that's right, a job uh-huh. of making Bruce Wayne, the in-between Bruce Wayne. He actually does look younger. They do, they do such a great job. His hair is different. A big thumbs up and big okay symbol that I'm making right now. To the apparently 22-year-old Bruce Wayne. Big, also, big thing. They put him in jeans. Jeans. Jeans makes a person look so much younger. (laughs) Because when Bruce Wayne is apparently 29, he's nothing but suits. Yeah. And we need that. Yeah. But but I think they saw that and they go, remember in Batman Returns when he only wears jeans in the movie? We gotta get back to that. Do you remember that? He's he's That was the 80s. I know. <laughs> I'm making a joke. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I just sorry. I really thought we were gonna get a turtleneck because Michael Keaton wears a turtleneck. George yeah. Clooney get, wears a turtleneck. I need Christian Bale to wear a turtleneck, and I think he does at one point. Yeah, that seems like a that seems like a Dark Knight Rises move. Sure. Um, so it's going along, and then we see Bruce Wayne is in another country, and. He is in a prison cell. Mm-hmm. And what I found very interesting about this movie, there, there's a lot of stuff that I never noticed in terms of the relation between this movie and The Dark Knight Rises. So in this first scene, Ra's al Ghul, well, we don't know he's Ra's al Ghul yet, but yeah. Ra's al Ghul. Oh, I didn't talk about Liam Neeson. Yeah, you didn't. Liam Neeson, everyone, is uh, um, Obi-Wan I... Kenobi. Oh. No, he's Qui-Gon Jinn. He's Qui-Gon Jinn. Come on. He trains <laughs> Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi. Oh. Grow up. Whatever. That's it. That's all I'm saying who Liam Neeson is. <laughs> Taken. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that's pretty big. I too. mean, uh, he's in it all. He's in it all. Um, but he shows up in this prison cell. And in Dark Knight, right? So the first oh, time wait. we see Ra's al Ghul, it's in a prison cell. And oh. he begins batman's quest to become batman in in a he's a large part of why that happens because he tells him to go to this and he motivates him to do it again yeah and then in dark knight rises he motivates him to do it again gotta say liam neeson looks like a baby in this movie (laughs) it's crazy (laughs) Um, also this is peak christian bale i'll just say it one more time i guess (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) let's move past it um but i'm not actually mad jordan Hmm. I know you have big crushes on so, Christian Bale. Not anymore. But so he visits him in a prison cell and is pretty much like, come to this place, get this blue flower and travel all the way up this mountain. And maybe we'll train you mm-hmm. because he sees fear in him. Yeah. And he sees potential in him as well. Yeah. Here's, here's a cool thing. So Ra's al Ghul in the comic books, he's an immortal being. He has like a, really? there's like a well, I believe. Like um, the fountain of youth. Kind of yeah, something like that. And what I like about the series is it is grounded, but they do leave room for that because when he appears to him in Dark Knight Rises, it is a dream sequence, 
But I think you could also read it like he is a he is immortal. He's like on a different plane of existence, which is cool. And in this movie, and I wrote down the line, we'll get there. He says something about mortality. Yeah, and I think what Raza Ghul represents as like a religion mm-hmm. it's like reaching a form of enlightenment. Yeah. It's so cool. Um, so they go or he he he, you know, has like a prison fight, which is pretty cool. And I just re- we didn't talk about the first time we saw this movie. I don't know when it was. This movie has always existed to me. So my dad and I went to the White City Theater. We'd seen ads for this Batman movie. Yeah. And we went to see it. And I remember like this whole sequence. I was, well, the whole movie I was enthralled. But but learning how he became Batman, I was like, this is, I cannot even believe what I am watching. I was so excited at As every- a fifth grader? Yes, I just couldn't believe it. It was like this is something I've always wanted to know. How did he become Batman? And I had no I didn't know how he uh-huh. became Batman. And I was like they're answering every question <laughs> that I could possibly have and yeah. more. And I'm just sitting there like this there is nothing that could ever be better in life yeah. than this movie. <laughs> I I don't remember when I saw it. I'm just assuming I didn't see it in theaters, but I definitely could have. And then yeah. maybe my parents rented it cuz it's like it's a Batman movie. Yeah. We've heard it's good. But there was this great moment. We walk out of the theater, and my dad and I are both like, that was so good. Like, uh-huh. we loved that. And he ran into one of his friends, and y- you could tell they were both just like, that was really good, right? <laughs> like, what the heck? That movie was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was. So very happy that I've I've seen all of his movies in theaters from then on. Heard. Yeah. Um. So, so he makes it up to the mountain. Uh. A lot of philosophical stuff <laughs> that makes yeah. you totally degrade the movie. But um, Ken Watanabe is basically shown, represented as Ra's al Ghul. But later on, you mm-hmm. find out it is really Liam Neeson who is Ra's al Ghul. Um, Although, the, the, Ken Watanabe they, dies, so it could be like a mantle type situation where oh, he was Ra's. I took that as he always was and he was misleading people. That's how I've always thought of it, but this time I thought maybe it is like now he is the high priestess, well, you know? He's not a high priestess, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but the, the way I see it too is if you reach that highest level enlightenment, everyone's Razagul. Yeah, that's how I also see it. So um, he starts training with Razagul, and this is like almost half of the movie because it's cutting in cutting back and forth between different timelines the whole time. So you'll see him training with Liam Neeson and then he's a kid again. Yeah. So basically during this time, we see um, him as a child go to the opera with his parents. Yes. I love the scene when he is on the subway with his dad and mom on the way to the opera. Mm -hmm. And his dad is talking about how he built this train so that, uh, it's, it's an affordable transportation for the p- people of Gotham and they deserve it. And they also establish he, he is Wayne enterprises, mm-hmm. but he's a doctor. He lets the, the white collar guys take care of, well, whatever he, he lets the businessmen take care of his business. So they're effing rich. He's, as you said, he is like the good version of capitalism. If it worked to like, it's, if it worked for people. If people were as nice as he was. I mean, they were yeah. still living in the mansion while people were in uh, a lot of help. But, but they do help. they do posit that he they was do. doing everything in his power. No, he's to... a doctor, which is a profession, pre- pre- 
profession that helps people. He also built a train. And not only that, they're on the train riding it. Yeah. They are the richest people of Gotham. Why would they need to be on a train? Public Any, transit. Yeah. It's like, anyone no. Anyone who's that rich would have their own driver. So it's just like, I think originally I would have thought like, that's dumb. Why would they be on the train then if this is for normal people? And it's like, he is a normal person. And that's what yeah. he's trying to teach his son is to always think of other people. Yeah. I just love that so much. It, it's just such a great Bruce uh, characterization. Growing moment. Yeah. And uh, so they get to the opera and they're watching some sort of bat performance. Yeah. And little Bruce gets scared. Yes. And the kid's acting in that scene is really good. The kid's really good. <laughs> He's really good. Um, and then they go out into an alley. It's Crime Alley, of course. We all know this. Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. Come on. Okay. Um, I mean, in the comic books. I, I don't know if it was called that when they walked down it. Sure. But, you know, it becomes known as Crime Alley. And Thomas and Martha Wayne are gunned down by Joe Chill. Now, we have the pearl shot. As if you remember from our Batman episode with Will and Kevin Hines, there's some pretty funny stuff about the pearls. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so now they've been killed again in, in cinema poor, history. Poor Mr. and Mrs. Wayne. Yeah. I think... They have at least two more to go, but I think I they have three. I, I will say... Because it's beaten to death. In the case of Joe Chill, the actor does a really good job of acting scared. Oh, like, he's like, really good. Like, he doesn't mean to be doing what he's doing, but because of all of the circumstances that the movie explores, that's what happened. Yeah. And um, the the last moment he shares with his dad, what does his dad say to him? Just like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And that, the whole movie's about fear. About fear, yeah. So that it's just, that's really great. And here's what's really cool, too. So if in the Burton Batman, they make the killer the Joker. And it doesn't really make sense, and it kind of doesn't really add to the story in any way. Yeah. But he just realizes that the Joker is who killed his parents. Yeah. Um, but what I really love about them doing it this way and staying true to the comics in this fashion is this shows the depravity and the state of Gotham. Because although this guy has connections to Falcone... It's like, well, actually, I don't even think he has any direct connections to Falcone. No, he does. He does, which we get a into drug later. Dealer or something. Yeah, but it's not like this grand scheme where at the end of the movie, Batman finds out like, oh, it was actually Ra's al Ghul or something like that. It, it's just a person and a random act of violence, which shows you how violent Gotham is and how much order needs to be in it. It's just great for setting up this city. Yep. Oh, yeah. Watching it this time all the light bulbs were going off for me because yeah. I've seen this movie quite a bit and, oh, yeah. and it has never made sense to me in the way that it has. And like I've said before, when I watch movies where it's kind of convoluted, I get so distracted. I'm looking at the set or I'm looking at, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. looking at extras and like, are the extras doing a good job? <laughs> and I completely miss the exposition. This time I finally keyed into it and I know what's going on. Um, so his parents die. There's a funeral for them. Alfred's taking care of him now. Yeah. Very sweet moment where he's talking about how much he misses them. Pretty much any scene Alfred's in, I want to cry. Yeah. Because he's such a sweet person. Also the best Alfred. Um, And I think that they just do such a good job of like, like if you took Alfred out of this movie or any of the other movies, they would reduce so significantly. It's crazy mm -hmm. how much worse the movies would be. His 
Michael Caine like grounds these movies and totally. grounds the character of totally. Bruce Wayne. He he needs the at that be, he becomes the paternal figure for him. Yeah. It's obviously different than who his dad was, but that's who he is. He's asking the hard questions mm-hmm. when they need to be asked. Yeah. So he's taking care of Bruce now. And then uh, within all this time, it's switching back to him training with Raza Ghul. And now, I got a thing to say about Raza Ghul. Sure. I just want to say something he says in the prison. Sure. Because it is like the thesis of the movie and the whole series. He says, if you make yourself more than just a man, if you devote yourself to an ideal, and if they can't stop you, then uh, stop you, then you become something else entirely. And that's setting up, which oh, it's so cool because the whole series just talks about Batman like he's not a person; he's a symbol. Yeah. And and in this movie, Wayne is always trying to say like, "I want to make them fear what I fear." Mm-hmm. It's always the symbol, the Batman, the Batman, and that's why I think the payoff of Joseph Gordon-Levitt at the end of Dark Knight Rises and the thing lifts and he is in the Batcave. To me, I think it would have been a complete travesty if they had made a sequel with him. Sure. Because there were so many people who were like, they set it up for a sequel. They said, but it was so poetic. Oh, I never felt that way. I never did either. But I had friends who were like, they have to, right? And I'm like, no. The the, the whole series has been telling us this is a symbol that has to live on and it will live on now. Yeah. And that's like so beautiful. And this is just Bruce's part of the story. And this is a comic book. Yeah. How crazy is that? It's insane. It's so cool. So I love that it sets that up. And it's so cool because Roz is a symbol in himself. He wants yes. to become something else entirely. But his is judge, jury, and executioner. Yes. Whereas Batman is judge, I guess. Not even judge. He's just putting them before the judge. Well, no, no. His whole thing is justice, which is what Rachel justice, does. that's the word. So, well, he, he adopts most things about Raza Ghoul, but the most important thing he adopts from what Rachel tells him. So within all of the training and the flashbacks, we flash to um, Bruce has come home from Princeton, I think. Yeah. And he's there for a little bit, but he's really there because they're sentencing Joe Chill. Joe Chill. But Joe Chill is going to offer. <laughs> it's just so funny that his name is Joe Chill. I know. And they're like, Mr. Chill. <laughs> um, they're, he has a special Falcone. Uh, information that he's going to offer to hopefully get him on parole or get him off. Yeah, yeah. So um, he comes home for that. And a lot of people, Alfred is like, are you sure you should go? Like Mm -hmm. that, it seems like it's too much. Even Rachel's like, this seems like it's too much for you. But he's like, someone needs to represent my family. Like, I need this. I need to be there. You see throughout this time, he has a gun. He is planning to take matters into his own hands and avenge his parents. And right before this whole scene, he... um, he tells Raza Ghul, I think he says something to him about like, you can, you can do vengeance and Chris and uh, Bruce is like, I've tried that. Yeah. Then they explain it. And what's so great is like, this is the turning point for him. And like in this moment where he is going to gun down Joe chill, he is being Ra's al Ghul. Yes. He is being the League of Shadows before he even meets them. Yes. So all of it's so great. Joe chill gets let out. Um, and this woman comes up to him and kills him. For Falcone. Yeah. So he doesn't get the chance to kill him, which is like big disappointment for him, I'm sure. Yeah. But it also gets to, he it gives him a second chance to reflect on that. 
on what would happen if he did. He's in the car with Rachel uh-huh, complaining uh-huh. about it, about it all happening. <laughs> this is a good movie. <laughs> and, and Rachel goes down into like the, the, that's called the narrows, which is like the slums of yeah. Gotham to show him Gotham is not good. It is rotting from the inside out. And this and, is, I'm not, I'm convinced that Michael Mann directed the scene we're going to talk about. <laughs> and wrote the the oh, scene with Falcone sure. that you were about to get to. So yeah, she goes. She's underground. Stops at this bar that Falcone owns, like you know the mafia restaurant. Mm-hmm. But before he goes in there, uh, so he reveals to her that his plan was to kill Joe Chill, and she slaps him. Yeah, twice. And she is saying basically, "You're dumb. That would not have solved anything." You should be a. Sh- your father would be ashamed yeah, of you, which that is like hits hard. crazy huge. Yeah, and then she also says, "I think this is before the, she finds out about the gun thing." But basically, like that's not just like killing him is not justice. Justice is about harmony. It's not mm. about vengeance. Yeah, because he's explaining and she's saying vengeance, but it's not about vengeance. It's about justice. Yeah. So when he becomes Batman, he wants to provide justice, not vengeance. He's not yeah. trying to get back at Falcone. Because he's a bad guy, he's trying to eliminate that problem so that there is harmony within Gotham. Yeah. It's incredible. Now, I think this segues very nicely into justice, the idea of justice. This is a big for Batman. But the older I'm getting, the actually the more I'm getting into comics again because of Marvel Unlimited. It's only $9.99 a month. It rules. It's the best app. But um, Although they do need to make a couple adjustments to the app. But but the older I get, the more I do kind of think, you know, you have these comic book characters and they go around and they destroy public property uh-huh. as as like annoying as it sounds, but it's like they destroy this public property, they they don't they don't abide by due process. They do take the law, and they are vigilantes. Uh-huh. And sometimes I'll read a comic book or watch a movie and I just sit there and I'm kind of like, "Huh?" Like, I don't necessarily side with the hero. It, like, Which, I will say for Marvel, they cover that. And they it's do. interesting. They do. But um, go on. But so the two things I'll say is when your movie is like, this is the extreme example. When it's a Schumacher movie and it's balls to the walls, it's crazy. You don't think about that because that's never a concern. Yeah. But with all these new movies who are like, wow, Batman Begins did it. We have to make everything realistic. Yeah. Sometimes it makes you like when you sit down, when you finally watch Batman v Superman, Jordan, your brain is going to be so confused by the plot because they try so hard to make it realistic. But then there's like details that don't make sense. Yeah. And you sit there and you go, if I was in this world, I wouldn't like any of these heroes. I would not look up to them. Yeah. And part of that is because he misunderstands who Superman is. But so all of that to say. This movie, I think, does a wonderful job of creating this Batman character who seeks justice because we truly see how, just as in the Batman Year One comic, how truly depraved and messed up Gotham is and how the people who are supposed to be taking care of it, the police in this case, and even the court system, don't. They don't take care of crime. So there literally is no other option. Someone has to step up and do it. Yes. And that's what, that's why the Rachel Dawes character is so good. They needed to create a character who was within the court system and showing her struggle with why that's broken. And that's the genius of, and this I'll give to the comic books. That's the genius of Harvey Dent. Sure. Yes. And he's done well because he's supposed to be righteous 
And then he becomes like the opposite of Batman. And we haven't even gotten to Gordon yet, but he represents the good side of police. Yeah. Early on when Batman, when Bruce is figuring out what his, like who Batman is in Gotham, he enlists Gordon's help early on. And, you know, they establish in more, more vague ways than the rest of the movie, which is totally fine because there's a lot going on, that, that Gordon is a like good cop. I mean, they do show that when he's with Flath. Yeah. And Flath is a bad cop. He's corrupt. And Gordon is just trying to do what's right. Well, there's that great scene where he, he says, you sure you don't want a cut of this? Because yes. it makes people question. And he goes, I'm, I'm no rat, but I'm not taking it. Right. So Bruce finds him and enlists his help, which yeah. he enlists his help for the next two movies. And even when uh, the police are like commanded to take down Batman, Gordon is always there to help him. Yeah. Cool. So he this, talks to hey, Falcone. This movie is really good. <laughs> Talks to Falcone, great, tense scene, love the acting, the Falcone actor. I don't remember his name, or know it, rather, but um, he does fantastic. Yeah, he is Tom Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson, yeah, he's wonderful. Um, and But by now, we're like 40 minutes in, still no Batman. And now we go back to the good old-fashioned Ra's al Ghul up in the temple, and... They present a criminal who murdered someone, and yeah, there's that, all that's his initiation. Yeah, th- there's all this other fun, cool stuff, but you know, we do have we do have a life outside of this podcast, so we can't go over every detail. Right? So, Christian or Bruce is supposed to kill him. He won't kill him. And this is where they really establish that rule that Batman does not kill. Yes, and that's that. why when you watch the old movies and he kind of kills people, and then in the new movies when it's like, yeah, he kind of just killed a bunch of people, you're like what yeah it, it's <laughs> he's shocking. not supposed to do that um in the video games doesn't he not even kill people he just inca- incapacitates people no he doesn't kill him no crazy cool um i okay. mean it is a batman thing so when you see it in movies it, i mean it'd be the same as spider-man killing someone you'd be like Does spider-man not kill people no okay no never he always webs them up and leaves them for the police yeah yeah it's i mean people die but that's different than killing them you know uh-huh um well he kind of kills raza ghoul in this movie yeah Kind of, but I, it's that's like interesting. it's like tomato tomato kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I just don't like when they. I the older I get, the more I'm like, my superhero shouldn't kill someone oh, unless no. unless you, in, unless that's what I don't know. That's the only option, it, which sounds weird. Let's just yeah. blow past it. We'll talk more about that in Man of Steel. I there you promise. Go. So, um, he has a huge fight with the the Raza Ghoul and the people. Yeah. He escapes. He goes back to Gotham. Cool he's, set. Very cool set. So he's back in Gotham. Um, he is learning that the Wayne company, they're trying to go public with it. He really has no control over it anymore. I mean, he's set yeah. for life. It doesn't really matter what happens. Um, but what he does want, according to him, is a job. Yeah. And he would like to have a job in like the tech development area of Wayne, <laughs> yeah. which is when Morgan Freeman comes in. Um, Morgan Freeman, Lucius Fox. Yes, he was put down in this basement because he was basically because he was asking too many questions. They're like, "Yeah, you got to work in this basement for the rest of your career." Coincidentally, there's a lot of interesting stuff that goes on down here that no one knows about. Yeah. So he starts getting equipment from Fox, Mm -hmm. and then also with Alfred, 
they start ordering equipment. This is also crazy. They didn't have to do this, but they did this. So throughout this time, he's also surveilling Falcone. He's learning some stuff, doing some like spy work. Yeah. Um, they figure out like they need to get bat ears so that they can put recording devices up in them. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. They didn't have to do that. They did it. Not only that, Alfred says, we need to order like 10,000 though. So it's not suspicious. Alfred is constantly like. Talk about inventory in this movie and you're into it. (laughs) Later on too, when Bruce wakes up with a ton of bruises and Alfred's like, you know, what happened? And then he's like, if this is going to be a normal thing, we need to have a story. So did you join a polo team? Yeah. Like, just like, that's crazy that they're just covering the like legality. Yeah. of this stuff yeah. it's like that's so smart though because people do wonder and you're grounding it like crazy you need to yeah. answer those questions if you are and that's why when a movie tries to ground but they only go halfway mm-hmm. it's worse than if you just go fantastical yes with your superhero yes so um he's becoming batman and then he goes to the docks right can we go there sure um and we have the great scene where he is picking off these Falcone members one by one. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, his first line as Batman, they, they go, where are you? They're shooting the gun. And he goes mm-hmm. here. And then <laughs> cool. they pull him up. And then, and then they, they do the reprise to the old Batman, the Batman Burton, where they're like, who are you? And he goes, I'm Batman and pulls him out of the, <laughs> out of yeah. the thing. And you're just like, this is the best. Yeah. You're just fist pumping. And then he sets up Falcone on, a spotlight to look like a bat mm. and Gordon shows up and he's kind of, he's already been thinking, visited by Bruce happening? at this point. Yes, that's unknowingly. right. And I love that scene too. Cause he's acting like he is holding him at gunpoint and it's just a stapler in his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I think too, like uh, some inquiring minds would just be like, Oh, so he's using a gun now, but he doesn't use it later. And they right. make the point to show that it was never a gun and his life was yeah. never in danger. Yeah. Um, also, there's the great thing. It, it's it's the, the the humor in these movies I really enjoy. Mm. It doesn't go too far, but it's still it's not just like dour movies. Yes, because there's that great scene where he he's like, um, "What's that thing over there?" To Lucius, and he goes, "Oh, that's the tumbler. You wouldn't be interested in that." And he says it in a kind mm. of in, a, like you wouldn't Morgan be interested Freeman in is that. The comic relief of this movie. He rolls, and then he goes, they they drive it around. And then he goes, well, what do you think? And he goes, does it come in black? And I'm going, yeah, yeah, baby. And he's spray painting his bat suit black. He's spray painting the bat suit. It's awesome, so, though. Throughout all of this, too, he is become, going back into as a public figure as Bruce Wayne. We get, we do get some Playboy stuff in this movie. Are we talking the pool? The yeah. hotel pool? Well, this also goes into kind of the funny stuff. Uh-huh. He's been gone for seven years, and he just is suddenly back. So he... Is at this dinner party with elite people of Gotham. He brings two girls to two this. Girls. Who two models. They're models. Two models. Who begin like swimming in a fountain and he is told like they're not supposed to. And he says, Well, I'm just buying the hotel, so it's fine. Yeah. And he gets in with them. Just funny, ridiculous. Runs into Rachel, and that's when it all comes crashing down again, you know? He's like, This isn't me. And she's like, It is you though. Because what you do defines you. That's that's her big thing. Yeah. Um, it's not what it's not what's inside that matters. It's what you do that defines you. Bruce. <laughs> so, um, and later on when they when they meet again, it's his thirtieth birthday. 
yeah, right. His 30th birthday. Um, and she comes to give him a present. And they have a very similar conversation where he is just trying to convince her that he's still the, the kid that they grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, they grew up together. And they they love each other, whatever that means, you know? like I, I should tell you that um, when they filmed this, he would have been 30. Seriously? I just looked it he's up. He's 30 years old? Yeah. Because his he, looks gr- that- he was born in 1974. <laughs> Were you saying he looked old or young? Yes, older. Yeah. Because, Micah, we're not that far away from 30, and look at us. We look like we're 15 some days. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, he was. He would have been 30 when they filmed okay, it. Okay, fine. I'll give it to him. That's crazy, though. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah, they have a similar conversation. She's like, I see right through you. Yeah. I'm cleaning up Gotham. You're back here and you're playing. You've learned yeah. nothing in the time that you've been gone. What have you been doing? Which like kind of makes sense when you look at it. Totally. Book by its cover. She is working in the DA's office. She is trying to take down Falcone in the legal system. Batman's trying to do it kind of under the table. Uh-huh. What happens after that? Well, let's talk about a late player in the game. A one Dr. Crane. Okay. Scarecrow. So again, when I see this movie, I'm only familiar with the villains that came out in the movies, the old movies. And I'm like, Scarecrow, this guy's cool. Mm-hmm. Ra's al Ghul, this guy's cool. It's it's just smart that they didn't go, let's do the Joker first. Because uh-huh. your Joker's a slam dunk. But it's so smart that they said, let's do some lesser known to mainstream villains mm-hmm. so that we can focus on Batman. We can really focus on Batman. But Dr. Crane... Killian Murphy I like that they inter- destroys it. They introduce him. The scene that they introduce him in, he is testifying that this yeah. person should be committed to Arkham. And it's like the third Falcone person who's been committed for insanity, which means that he's just working for Falcone. Yeah. Um, and then there's the scene where he meets with Falcone and he's talking about this, like his boss. Yeah. That, that Falcone hasn't met yet. And he's going to come to Gotham. And Falcone's yeah. like, he's coming here? Yeah. And basically what's going on and and it's it's like one of those things where the plot is so convoluted that once you've seen it a few times, you're like, yes, okay, okay. Yes. But Ra's al Ghul and the League of Shadows want to destroy Gotham. Mm-hmm. And so in order to do that, they have stolen a microwave emitter from the Wayne Enterprise company. And Scarecrow is putting fear toxin into the water. They will set off the microwave emitter, which will turn It'll that... It'll vaporize the water. Yes, and then people will you know suck it in and they'll go crazy and kill each other yes and it's an island so they can just you know get the bridges raised and get that city destroyed i think the plan makes sense and is cool it also makes sense later on in the movie when we when raza ghoul's plan is revealed further too yeah and and did you have you caught this that the i think the implication is that raza ghoul supplies the blue flower and that's what the fear toxin is made out of he says that he, oh, he does say that. They say okay. That, I don't know if he says that, but someone says it at some point. I Pretty think it's cool. Razzle Ghoul. Yes. Pretty cool. Which makes sense because earlier in the movie they used that. Yeah. So. And, what and that? so, 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 what, one thing I just love is that scene because it's been so long without Liam Neeson by this point in the movie. We've seen Batman do some stuff. He's like pulled Flass up into the air and he's interviewed him and dropped him on the ground and stuff like that. And then we're like, you know, if, if you'd forgotten, all of a sudden you're at Bruce's party and this woman says, 
Bruce, you must meet this person. And she takes him over, and it's a guy that he recognizes as a League of Shadows person. And then Liam Neeson walks out, and he starts monologuing about Bruce and all this stuff. And Bruce is like, what are you doing here? And he goes, you know, like Rome, every city must be destroyed at some point. So in this, so in this scene, Bruce gets everyone to leave the home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then... Raza Ghul is burning down his house and it's revenge because Bruce burned down their house. Yeah. And that's when he reveals that Raza Ghul, the, the, like the religion, the league, that's what he says. The league has been involved with Gotham for centuries. Yeah. Basically they have been responsible for like leveling the city every so often, almost like Gotham's an experiment for the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, and he's, that's when he tells Bruce, your dad was the last time something was done about anything. Yeah. And your dad was one of the biggest travesties ever to happen to Gotham, which is cool that he is bringing up his dad because the whole time in his training, he needed to get over his parents' death. And now he's using his parents' death against Against him. him. Yeah. But he is telling him that because your dad was a generous person, that was his weakness. Uh huh. And that the city, the city... Joe Chill killing his parents is the city killing his parents and getting rid of them as if like they're, that was a byproduct of the corruption. Yeah. Awesome. I don't think awesome. I've ever thought about it like that. No. In the I time haven't. that I've seen it. Um, we did forget about, um, about a half hour of the movie. That's where we've been talking a lot. Yeah. But Batman gets gassed by Scarecrow. Yeah. In an apartment and it looks really cool. The yeah. effects are really cool. And, he alfred cooks him up a cure well lucius does yeah but um and he races back and then rachel uh corners dr crane and is like this isn't good i'm gonna i'm gonna continue going after falcone and stuff like that and then crane takes her down where they're dumping the fear toxin into the water he gasses her with a concentrated dose that will kill her lethal yeah yeah and so then Batman comes in, there's a nice fight. There's one of my like the most iconic, one of the most iconic for me in the movie where where uh Scarecrow takes off his mask and he goes the Batman. Or he yeah, says yeah, like yeah, he yeah. says something something yeah. the Batman. And the way he says it is he's so excited to see him even though he knows that it's bat it's trouble. Uh-huh, I love uh-huh, that. Uh-huh. And oh that's a really cool scene too cuz Batman uses the sonar to call all the bats. Yeah, when he's cornered by all the SWAT. And that's when he gets Gordon to help him. He to take Rachel home. Um, And then there's this crazy scene where they're driving the Batmobile, the Tumblr around, and you can watch the behind the scenes. They're just doing all the stuff in them in it. Very cool. I mean, of course there's a you know, they're not actually jumping on rooftops, but they're really driving through like a, a, a a shingle roofed that they've built to drive over it. So it's shattering and looks real. He's really driving through that concrete thing in the freeway. Yeah. Um, of course it's not concrete, but, um, he really is jumping into the bat cave, Uh you know, it's just there's a lot of funny stuff there too. In that scene Yeah. with cops being like, who, what are you talking about? What, what am I supposed to be looking for? It's a tank drives by tank, (laughs) but then like this weird car drives by and the person's just like, never mind. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. can't miss it all that stuff is good yeah i love all that humor so they get out of the situation rachel gets an antidote she's home she, she is given two more vials one is for gordon the other is for lucius 
or he gets Lucius to make more. No, the the one is for Rachel to um give to Gordon. Yes. To inoculate himself, yes. and then the other is to give to Lucius to mass produce it. Okay, that's right. Um, I kind of corrected you and then said what you were saying. That's fine. <laughs> um, so, and I got to the th- so when Roz burns down the house, um, Bruce Wayne says. I saw Ra's al Ghul die, and he goes, is Ra's al Ghul mortal? So it's that that okay. that cool, th- they're kind of hinting at the comics without going too far into it, Very which cool. I just really like. I just love that. Yeah. So mansion burning, Arkham is opened. So the, that the first vaporizing of the water happens in the Narrows. Yes. In the slums of Gotham. Everyone's going crazy. Weird stuff is being shown. Love all of that stuff. It's very cool. The effects. The, the Batman effect when he gasses Scarecrow uh-huh. and turns and his face is like melting like black licorice or something. Uh-huh. I could look at that all day long. Crazy. But it's then so later cool. on when um, Scarecrow was on a horse. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. And the he's horse just, is shooting he's just fire. on a horse? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the horse is shooting fire. It's cool. Great. Hey. Also. This is a good movie. <laughs> the little kid. Is in Game of Thrones, and I don't remember his name. I don't either. But just yeah. that's that's fun Easter egg for people who watch things. Yeah, that's the kid from Game of Thrones that everyone hates. I think. Yeah, oh um, yeah, he's bad. Okay, so Rachel is down there because she gives Gordon the antidote, but then this kid is alone, and she's helping the kid. She's about to get think bad things are about to happen to her because people are going to start ganging up on her. Batman saves her, brings her to a, to a safe place, basically tells her. I'm Bruce. I'm Batman. Yeah. Leaves to save Gotham. Gordon is driving the Batmobile. Um, he so he is following the sub the train, which is where Raza Ghoul is with the microwave thing, because he's taking it right to Wayne Tower. Yeah. And if the he can center get, of the city. Yeah, if he can get to Wayne Tower, everyone's toast. So Batman gets on the train and there's a fight sequence. They fight, you know, they talk some ideals, and then you know, Batman has bested Roz finally. And he says to him, I don't have to kill you. I'm, no, I'm not no. going to kill well, you. Well, Roz says, Roz says, but yes. you you won't kill me. No, I or, think what Roz says is like, finally, you're going to do what you were supposed to do and yeah. kill him. Yeah. And he says, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. And then he opens his wings and flies out of the train. And I love Liam Neeson just closes his eyes calmly mm. and dies. He knows mm. that this is the end of his journey, mm. which That's is just always so kind of in, like it's almost unsatisfying in uh-huh. a cool way. Uh-huh. Um, but Gotham is saved. Yeah. Anadotes are going to go out to the people who need it. Yep. Wayne Manor is burned down. And he's yeah. with Rachel, and they share a kiss. And you're like, oh, he gets the girl too. But then she says, no, yeah. I can't because I've seen your mask. And what she means is well, Bruce is his mask. He said something like it's only temporary or something like that. And she goes, no, this is your mask. Uh-huh. Come on. That's, That's cool. so cool. And then him and um, Alfred are talking and they're like, what do you, what do you want to do? Yeah, Alfred's like, this said, really gives us some new opportunities to build special reinforcements. Maybe on the east side? I was thinking the same thing, Alfred. And you're like, cool, Batman's going to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the movie. Yeah. Batman Begins. It's wonderful. Uh-huh. It's so good. Yeah. And and one of the unique things about it is the realism element. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it so different from other superhero movies, particularly at the time. And I think there's a lot of investigating going on. Yeah. 
which we love a Batman detective, you know? He is the world's greatest. Um, and ah, it's just so good. Oh, we need to rank last series. We do. Yes. So let's finish up on Batman, then we'll finish on... Because we forgot on our glass episode to rank what we thought of the Israel 177 trilogy. But dark, the Batman Begins... <laughs> Seal of approval. It's a must-watch for anybody. Even if you don't like superhero movies, this is mm-hmm. the one you're going to like. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, of course, everyone's seen it, though. What am I talking about? I do remember I was at Target one time, like a year after it came out, and I, w- I saw it on the rack, and we were checking out, and I was like, Mom, I pl- can you please buy this movie? Can I please have it? I know I don't like ask for this often, but please. And she was like, Okay. Oh, that's sweet. And so I got it, and it was fun and exciting. Yeah, that's cool. Um, it rules. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I got nothing else to say. It. It's also just a testament to how good the source material is. Yeah. Because all this stuff is in there. Yeah. It's he's just putting it in a visual media uh, medium and then rearranging stuff in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and that's completely artistic. That's amazing. But you know, I think about Harvey Dent, and I'm like. That's such a great character, but it's, it's a good he didn't invent that of the characters. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that goes to David Goyer too. Yes, definitely. And that just shows you, I think, what is the most important thing about a superhero movie? Not what their powers can do, mm-hmm. who the person is. Ooh, that's a chills sentence, Jordan. Okay, so next week we're going to cover the Dark Knight. Um, I think we're in May, which means that uh. This month, we're going to be doing the Batman Adam West movie on Patreon, and I released a remixed and re, uh, retracked, for a lot of tracks, my Adam, Eve, and Abel EPs, and I put them in one album called The First Family, along with Kane, and I did a live performance on April 30th, um, so make sure and go to my YouTube and watch that. And also listen to the album. It's on Spotify and all the other things like that. Let me know what you think. Um, And join Patreon because they were the ones that made that possible. They funded me being able to redo these So help fund the next project. Yes. Um, But what is your ranking of the East Rail 177 trilogy by M. Night? I kind of feel like that lame person that says all of them. No, no. We don't do that here on the Macaw Podcast I feel like I got away with it on Lord of the Rings. No. Then it would probably be from least to greatest, but they're all great. Mm-hmm. Split, mm-hmm. glass, unbreakable. Dang it. It sucks when we have the same ones. <laughs> yeah. But they're all great. They're all great. They're all great. But um, Split is definitely my least favorite by like a lot more than the other two. But I love it. Mm-hmm. Um. So thanks for listening, everybody. Next week, it is The Dark Knight. Good night. Do not go silent into that good night. (laughs) 